You're listening to the Tranquility Tribe podcast, an empowering space for all parents from conception to childhood. In this podcast, you'll explore your birth options, hear from experts in the field, learn to embrace self-indulgence, and prepare yourself for parenthood with Haiti. She's a coffee connoisseur, lover of deep belly laughs, a big-time tailgater, and your neighborhood birth junkie. From Mississippi to Massachusetts and everywhere in between, here's your host, Hee. Hello, 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 my villagers. What is up? Happy Tuesday, y'all. I am so excited to have you guys share some of your Tuesday with me. I know that your time is precious. I do not let that go unnoticed. I do not take that lightly. Thank you so, so much. On this fine Tuesday morning, I want you to take two minutes to think of something that you are grateful for. Now I want you to think of three things that have happened in your life that allowed you to get there, good or bad. So maybe you're really grateful for your partner and looking back you realize that you had to go through that really tough breakup to get your perfect soulmate. Or maybe you're really grateful for the job that you have and you had to first be fired and endure a heartache before that. Whatever you're grateful for, I want you to come up with three things that allowed your life to take those turns, whether they were hard right turns or casual strolls and you just kind of ended up where you are. I want you to send gratitude to the things that allowed your life to be like it is today. Whatever you're grateful for, those three things, send gratitude their way. You've worked really hard and so has the universe to get you to where you are now, especially if you are preparing to bring a baby into the world, preparing to be pregnant or just brought a baby into the world. You are working so, so hard. Send some gratitude to yourself as well. Say thank you body for waking up today and thank you legs for letting me get places Thank you, hands, for doing the things I need you to do. Thank you, heart, for keeping me alive. My brain for keeping me smart and agile. Thank you. Thank you to my body. I'm super, super stoked for today's episode. You are listening to another episode of the Tranquility Tribe podcast, episode number 61. Today, I have April Davis on the show, and she loves vaginas. She has attended so many births as a doula, a photographer, and a birth assistant. She has seen a lot of vaginas. She's discussed and researched everything from urinary incontinence to postpartum sex positions, and her goal in life is to share everything that she has learned about our lady downstairs and to continue her own education so she can continue to spread it in the world. She calls herself a lady bits expert, but the Instagram world knows her as the vagina blog. Without further ado, I am so stoked to introduce to you April Davis. April, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. 
I am so excited to have you on here. So before we dive too much into the vagina, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family? We like to get to know our guests before we, we jump fully in. So um, I'm April Davis. I live in St. George, Utah. Um, I have three kids. So I have two girls and a boy. I have a nine-year-old, a six-year-old, and an 18-month-old. And my youngest is my baby boy. And he is so spoiled because I'm just obsessed with him. And he's our last. So it's just, it's going to be a problem, but he's the best. So <laughs> I love my girlies too, but you know. <laughs> so um, yeah, I don't know. I was a, it's a long story how I got to this. I feel like female anatomy, sexual health, all of that has fascinated me since I can remember. So it was such a natural thing for me to kind of, you know, end up here. I feel like I was always meant to be the vagina blog. And so, um, like growing up, I was really interested in a lot of that stuff. I became an EMT. I still so vividly remember learning about childbirth in my emergency medical training and like how to handle things and just being so fascinated. We had this nurse train us on, you know, everything we needed to do in an emergency birth. And she was like, you West coast women are such pansies. And on the East coast, you know, we do everything all unmedicated. And I was like, Oh, well, when I have babies, you know, my little 18 year old self, I was like, of course I'm going to do it that way. <laughs> I'm so tough. You know, thinking that this, it's just so funny when you're young, everything's this competition. And then you get a little older and have a couple of kids and you're like, I'm tired. I'm not here to compete. <laughs> anyway, I went on from there to, you know, do emergency medicine and a couple other things. And I ended up working for a nurse midwife as her assistant. And then I also started working as a doula. Um, and then I used to do photography as well. So I did a lot of birth photography, which really gave me such an awesome opportunity to learn about birth because I was a fly on the wall, you know, and a lot of times if I got hired to be there just as a photographer and um, they didn't know necessarily I was a doula or didn't really hire me for doula services. And so I was able to just observe doctors do what they do um, without a doula present per se, because they're very different when I'm there as a doula than when I'm there as a photographer. So it really gave me such a great opportunity to learn so much. And then working with Cindy, the nurse midwife that I worked for doing home birth, I learned so, so much about birth. Um, and so I, I love all those things. Um, a year ago, my daughter was diagnosed with type one diabetes, making my on-call life less of a possibility. And it was at that point, I'd already bought the domain like the year before the vagina blog. And it was like, you know what? I think it's time. Maybe I come out of the field for a little while and I go to writing and photographing and teaching. And so I kind of switched gears from actually practicing and being in the field and, you know, dealing with birth and, you know, something that was amazing to the nurse practitioner, the nurse midwife that I worked for was a nurse practitioner for Planned Parenthood and also does a lot of gynecological care. And so I did, you know, some of that work with her as well. So it was really neat to say, you know, I have this fascination with this and for her to be able to say, oh, let me show you this, this, and this. Like I went in with bacterial vaginosis one time and she was like, cool, let's swab you. And then I'll take you back and you can check it out on the microscope. So I started to really, you know, learn so much more about this. And it's definitely something that, you know, hopefully my future self gets to the point where I'm, I would love to be a nurse midwife in practice. But currently in my current season with my baby's home, they need me and I've got to be here. And in the meantime, I'm doing the vagina blog and loving it. So that's my background in a nutshell. <laughs> 
I love that so much. That's such a fun story. I love, love, love when people take these roundabout ways to get to this very unique position. I feel like I walked a very similar path, um, you know, of this roundabout way to get to this practice or this TBH approach that, that, that I have. So fascinating. Love it. Thank you so much for sharing. Of course. So first and foremost, the lady downstairs, what are the most basic things that we need to know about our vaginas when we are going into this conversation? You know, I, it's been so interesting to me, some of the questions that I've had from people. It really paints a picture of how uneducated we are about our own female anatomy. Um, I read a really great article not too long ago. It was a girl, she, she re was reviewing menstrual cups, and she said she couldn't figure out how to get it out, and the, her first thought was, I'll go have my boyfriend do it for me because he's more familiar with my vagina. Like how crazy is that, that that's kind of the reality. Like I don't ever, you know, mess with my own vagina, but my boyfriend does. So I'll go have him take out my cup. Like, but that that's real. You know, I remember being in college and explaining to one of my roommates that we have three holes. She didn't know she'd only ever used pads because tampons freaked her out. And so the thought that there was, you know, multiple holes there and, you know, I've also had women, they don't understand what hymens are or, you know, why we have a hymen or, you know, if that covers everything and then it breaks. And like, so there's just been a lot of anatomy. So my, you know, coming in as like an educator, I want to teach women everything that they need to know about their vagina. I want women to be comfortable with their vagina um, and their vulva. I mean, that's one of the most basic things. The outside is actually the vulva. The inside is the vagina. Most people do not know that. And I've even gotten some flack being the vagina blog. But I was like, the vulva blog just doesn't, it's not, it doesn't have the same ring to it. So. And familiarity-wise, I want to start with where people, what people do know and work my way up from there. So um, I've actually had the opportunity to teach maturation a couple times here in the uh, schools. And I... This, I love this. I love getting the opportunity to talk to girls at that really important age, you know, right at 11 and tell them what their anatomy looks like, you know, why they're menstruating. A lot of girls don't have it. Like I want my teenage girls to read taking charge of your fertility because I want them to know why they're menstruating, what the purpose is of the whole thing, you know, what it all means. And that you cycle throughout your whole month. You're always in your cycle somewhere, you know, and no, there's just so much information out there that I want to share. <laughs> that is amazing. That's also cool. You know, the vagina is such a fascinating thing to me. I just, it's weird to say it's, it's, it makes me feel odd and uncomfortable to say I love the vagina, but I do love the vagina. You know, I, yeah. it's like a very fascinating thing. I love to work with it and I love to understand it and, and educate myself about it and others about it. So I do. Um, and I think a lot of people can probably relate to that being a uncomfortable place to be to say like, I love vagina, you know, or like even the word vagina out in public. I have friends and Nicholas in particular is always kind of taken aback when I just say penis and vagina and vulva and mm -hmm. you know, whatever out in public. Sometimes when I'm on the phone with my clients, I need to be explaining to them what is happening. Like totally cervix is thinning out and opening. Yep. And I'm sorry that your mucus plug 
just came out and startled you. Like, you know, (laughs) well, I have to tell you, I have pictures of my mucus plug on my blog and that is my most read post because people want to see what they look like and, and see if that's really for reals what is happening, you know? Of course, I, I always, always, always talk about the mucus plug, you know, in my prenatal visits, but it still is startling to see to some people. Like it can be really, startling. it really can be, but I never know where I might be when your mucus plug is going to fall out. Like, I don't have any way of knowing that you don't have any way of knowing that I might be in the middle of Nordstrom. I might be Oh, yeah. Flags. Like I might be in church. I don't know where I might be, you know, like I could be anywhere. So yeah, these words, um, cool. That was, <laughs> so back to, I love vagina, you know, yes. I that a lot of people are, I hope that a lot of people know that your vagina is a self-cleaning thing, right? She's a very independent woman, but what happens when you have some sank down there? Um, so I, I actually get this question asked a lot. One of my segments that I do on Instagram is like, I love to go shopping and do Instagram stories and take people with me and, you know, talk about what's in the feminine hygiene aisle. Um, and that is a big one that I constantly tell people like your vagina does not need special soap and it does not need perfumes or deodorants. And if you start shoving those things up there, in there, around there, on there, you will totally mess up the flora of your vagina and what was a self-cleaning oven now has, you know, different bacteria introduced to it, introduced to it, it can change the pH. So I'm actually working with um, a company called Good Clean Love right now. They're fantastic. They have a really great um, wash. So if you are looking for a wash that's not going to mess with the pH of your vagina, they have that. I also love Mother Dirt. If you've never heard of them, they're fantastic. They are trying to help. They have like a spray and a couple other things um, that restore your natural uh, microbiome uh, so that it goes back to how it's supposed supposed to be. Sorry. And um, so I love them. I personally use, I have, we use pine tar soap. You can get it on Amazon. It's just like a very old school natural soap that's just made from like natural elements. Um, I use that to wash my whole body, including my vagina. Um, and I have found it not in any way messed with my vagina. Um, and is just like a good soap to use. I know people who are like, you should never use anything ever. It should just only be water ever. Um, I feel like I'm, I can't 100% come from like a, like this isn't fully my, like I obviously know a lot about vaginas, but as far as keeping them clean goes, water is going to be your best bet for not messing anything up. What you use beyond that needs to be up to you. Do your research because there's a lot of stuff on the market that's not good for your vagina. But I would say the majority of the deodorizing stuff that you pick up at Target or a sex shop probably isn't good for your vag. (laughs) And that goes for like lubes and stuff too. Um, A lot of people use lubricants that are, have a lot of really um, synthetic chemicals in them those are not super good for your vagina. So 
I would just, I would tell anybody, be very careful what you put in your vagina. It's mucous membrane. It heals very quickly. It also absorbs very quickly. So anything you put in your vagina is going to be absorbed into your body more easily than if you put it on your hands. So you need to do your research. So while I can say, hey, I kind of love this company. I love this company. I can't professionally recommend anyone 100%. I just can say, go read up on it and you make your own decisions for yourself. Cool. So what is the best lube in your opinion? Oh, um, and this is the same thing. Jury's out on this one. I love coconut oil. I think it's fantastic, but I have read places where they're like, you shouldn't put coconut oil in your vagina. And I'm like, okay, so <laughs> I can eat coconut oil. Really? I can't put it in my vagina, but same thing. You got to be really careful about not messing up your pH balance. So coconut oil is a really good one. Cocoa new is a coconut oil-based lube that I love. They're fantastic. And then Good Clean Love has a line of lubes that are I absolutely love. They have one that got discontinued called Caragold. That is my personal favorite lube ever. So it's the best. I'm hoping that they reformulate it and bring it back someday. I just loved it. But I love all their other lubes as well. Um, I know that they're working hard to make sure that the items that they make are not synthetic and also don't mess up with that pH balance. So if I was going to recommend any company, it would be Good Clean Love or Coco New. So. I love it. So circling back to throwing off the pH of your vagina, I love, love, love that you mentioned the impact on your microbiome because I know that there are expectant parents out there listening, thinking like, I am being very intentional about the microbiome of my mm -hmm. body right now because I am either growing a baby or trying to grow a baby, you know, or have just grown and birthed a baby. Like no matter where you are on that spectrum, you know that your microbiome is really important. So I love that this is just, of course, thing. you know, it's kind of a hassle because it's an extra thing to be yes. concerned about, but you'd rather know about it than not. Right. Yes. yes. So let's talk about period management, menstrual cups, menstrual discs, natural tampons, think underwear, sea sponges, free bleeding. Yes all the things you go very in depth on these things in your blog and on your Instagram. Um, mm -hmm. I know for me, I love, love, love thinks underwear. So I also go yes. into that on my Instagram, but your other, your other experiences tell us all the things. Okay. So here's what I'm finding. Um, once again, what works for me does not work for everyone else. And so I can always say like, look, this is what I absolutely love. Um, but I, I'm finding the thing that I love about, you know, having the Instagram and having the vagina blog is that I'm now getting tons of feedback from other women going, actually, you know, I tried this and this worked out better. Actually, I like, and I'm hearing about, like, I've had some women, cause I complain, I don't like tampons and I, it's not even like tampons are not good for your vagina. Um, I also don't, I don't like how they feel. My biggest pet peeve with them is not even how bad they are for you. I also, I hate how they feel. I hate how they feel going in. I hate how they feel coming out. I hate peeing on the string because I forgot it was there or worse wiping because I forgot it was there and pulling on it accidentally as you wipe. Like I hate tampons, you guys. <sighs> I could go on and on anyway. So, um, I was like, that scratchy feeling so horrible. Well, come to find out some women love that feeling. They love the dry, dry feeling of a tampon, to which I was like, what? But you know what? Okay, to each their own. 
you know, like if you love that, let's start talking more about what, what are some better tampons you could use, right? So instead of saying, hey, don't use tampons, okay, so let's talk about better options. Organic obviously is going to be totally better. Um, so my experience using a sea sponge, I was like, oh my gosh, if you were a tampon user that loved the dry feel of a tampon, you would love the sea sponge, right? I'm not, I just, I'm not into the sea sponge either. I really am not but I'm so glad I got the opportunity to try one. So they're interesting. You, even though you wet them down before you put them in, it still, it felt like it was sucking the moisture out of my vagina because like, it's a sponge. That's what it's supposed to do. So I'm not a huge fan of the sea sponge, but I had, when I did the review about it, I had many women go, oh my gosh, sea sponge is my favorite. You know, and a lot of people love the sea sponge. You can have intercourse with the sea sponge in. It's completely natural. Like it is literally out of the sea from the earth. So a lot of people love that. They're completely like they grow quickly. They learn how to grow them quickly. So like it's sustainable. So there's, there's benefits to the sea sponge that I was like, I don't really like this. This is not for me, but a lot of women love them. So I like being able to step back now and say, okay, I don't necessarily love this, but these women like it for these reasons. So here's a viable option you know, for your period. Um, my personal favorite is menstrual discs. They just, they work the best for me. So I've had, I feel like they're super, super easy to put in. They're super easy to get back out again. I like that they sit up in the fornix instead of sitting in the canal. So menstrual cups in the canal, discs are just a little bit further up in that fornix. They don't bother me at all or up there. I don't have leaks with them. So menstrual discs are my absolute favorite. I also love my Finks panties. Like I just could not be happier with them. Um, something that's amazing about them. I had a full set before I got pregnant with my last, have him to be able to just put panties on while you have your postpartum bleeding going on. It was the greatest. So people, I mean, it, don't realize like not only are they great for menstruating, they are fantastic postpartum and their sister company icon and i need to talk about them more is also fantastic if you have any sort of leaking happening especially postpartum icon are fantastic because they're also made to hold fluid i know a lot of women run that wear them while they run um i'm super lucky i don't have a lot of leaking unless i'm on a trampoline and so if i ever want to jump on the trampoline those icon undies are the way to go so so i love love things panties I was so surprised. I tried a cloth pad for the first time. It was fantastic. Like it's made out of this super, super, super soft fabric. And I was like, I don't, this seems so bulky. Totally just put it in some undies and wore it. And I was like, okay, yes, it's bulky. It is so luscious and soft on my angry, angry vagina right now. Like I wore it on my first day when I have that really heavy period, lots of bleeding and I don't feel good. And it was like, I feel like I'm sitting on a cloud right now. Like, this is so great. So guys, cloth pads are pretty fantastic too. So, I mean, once again, to each their own, but there's some great options out there that we are not talking about enough. I love it. That is amazing. Yes, I'm finding that too. So I'm finding more and more people that I come across are using these alternative methods. And um, I first got introduced to them um, by a friend of mine who is also featured in episode number five, uh, Alyssa Blast Campbell, who is the founder of Seed and Sew. But she started to tell me about alternative tampons, you know, safer tampon. Mm -hmm. 
options. And just like you, I didn't love the feel of tampons, but I was not wearing a traditional pad around. I just like wasn't going to do it. And then menstrual cups, they were not my thing, you know, and I had just started this journey. And so the Thinks Underwear were totally right up my alley and I absolutely love them. But yeah, and I tell everybody about them too. And that's how we get into these conversations. But yes, I'm finding that more and more women are are choosing alternative, um, you know, management for their periods. And hey, I love it. I'm like, I think it's fantastic. It's about time though, you know? Yeah, I'm totally into it. Cool. So the next thing is like interesting vagina facts. So I did some scouting on your blog and listeners, if you haven't checked it out, you definitely 100% should because here are just like four interesting facts that I pulled fast. Okay. So you should really head over there and like dive in. So I'm just going to say these things and I want you to like, be like, yes, and take it from there. Cool. Yes. All right. The vagina heals itself really well and minor cuts and scrapes. So like not childbirth rips and tears y'all, but minor cuts and scrapes. It reminds me of your mouth and how fast it can heal. So this does extend to childbirth. So, I mean, it's amazing. Um, Having, you know, worked with Cindy, we would stitch someone up at a birth and I would go visit them two days later and the stitches would be in the process of dissolving because the wound would be completely healed. So, I mean, if you have, you know, and this is, if you have a fourth degree tear, it's going to take a minute. Third degree, it's going to take a minute. But second and first degree tears, if you're taking good care of yourself and resting like you're supposed to and staying down like you're supposed to, I'm telling you, two days postpartum, we're looking at significant healing because it's that mucous membrane again. So it is, it's exactly like your mouth. It heals up very quickly. Um, And that goes to how well you're managing your swelling. So, um, you know, my recommendation, let's say you deliver, you have a second or third degree tear, you've got to get stitches, um, stay down drink lots of fluids, drink lots of like, I love bone broth for postpartum, stay warm, do all these things that you're supposed to do. Um, I think there's a tendency, especially with home birth. And if you feel good, I've been over and a lot of women are fully dressed and up and at them because they want to see people. And I just want to be like, nope, you get right back in your bed and you stay down. It seems crazy. It's so worth it. Even if you're feeling great to just rest. You have to. I think we stay on an adrenaline high, especially um, oftentimes after birth. And so it's hard to, you just don't feel it yet. You know, sometimes it takes a week or two for things to hit you. Um, But once they do, you know, you're in a much worse place. So rest after you deliver and you will see miraculous healing afterwards. And what about prepping? Is there anything particular for prepping that you suggest? Like how to like keep a good, I don't know, pH or, or, you know, whatever that might look like. Iron levels where they're supposed to be. What is it? Iron levels. So I don't, so I knew going into my third delivery, I knew I needed to have my iron up and I just didn't try super hard. It was like, I got to have it above 10 and then I'll be good. Well, I got it right above 10. My midwife said, yes, you can deliver at home. I delivered at home and I had a postpartum hemorrhage. And it 
just completely knocked the wind out of me. I was so exhausted. I did not heal as quickly. I bled much longer than I normally did after postpartum, but it's because I was anemic. And a lot of people don't realize how important those red blood cells are for healing afterwards. So my best advice, if you want your vagina heal and your, to heal and your body to heal, have your red blood cells where they need to be. You know, don't be anemic while you're pregnant. Take your iron um, and take care of your body that way. That's so important. Cool. All right. The vagina changes colors like a mood ring. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is something that it kind of makes me sad because a lot of women are maybe not familiar with what their vagina looks like, even from a normal state to being aroused. So I would challenge all of you listening, next time you are aroused or, you know, beforehand, observe what your vagina looks like beforehand, and then observe what it looks like in its fully aroused state. Um, typically, you'll see, like, lips will start to swell, clitoral hood will often swell and raise, everything changes color to a deeper, you know, typically to a deeper, darker color. Um, the vaginal opening will be open instead of closed. I mean, it is incredible to see and feel the difference between a vagina at rest and a vagina that is erect and ready to go. That is so cool. So for diving more into your vagina and what it looks like, you guys should check out Very Lacy on Instagram. It's Lacey Haynes. Um, she does a really awesome job of, of showing like what vaginas look like direct and like explaining that. Cool. This is awesome. Okay. Uh, next, the clitoris has no purpose other than for sexual pleasure. Yep. And we get so to have cool. those. <laughs> I love it. Like it's just a fun fact. I mean, but that's really, that's its only job is just to be there for a good time. I love it. He is here for the party. She's here for the party. They are here exactly. for the party. <laughs> yes. The vagina is the most stretchy part of your body. Yes. Um, I love Ina May Gaskin. She talks about this um, quite a bit because I think women oftentimes, especially when it comes to childbirth, they're like, oh my gosh, I have to have you know this baby come out of my vagina and how's that ever going to work? And to that, I say, look at a flaccid penis versus an erect one. Especially like, we're talking like, even look at a freezing cold flaccid penis, right? That's like tried to turn itself inside out and how tiny that can get versus what it can turn into when it's erect. You know, we're, because that's external, we're able to look at that on a man and be like, oh, cool. But because we're all internal over here, you know, on the female side of things, um, we don't have that, that visual you know, that, that they get to have. And so a lot of women, they don't believe in themselves. They don't realize how stretchy we really, really are and how capable we are to deliver a baby and how much our vagina, our cervix, all of it is made to do that. It's our biological like job, you know, is to be able to deliver a baby. So, and that's not to say that anybody who can't is, you know, not doing their job. I'm just, female anatomy is equipped typically to deliver. We are stretchy. Your body can totally do it. I also love that you throw in that mindset piece about believing in yourself. Like I talk so much about that mindset piece, making sure mm -hmm. being in that intentional headspace that you can do this. You are so capable and strong and like, yes, 
I don't know. I totally believe in you. So when you say you don't believe in yourself, it really blows my mind because I couldn't imagine. Mm -hmm. I just can't imagine not believing in yourself yep. because I believe so much in you. Like I just don't yep. get it. Your so, body is not a lemon. No, it is different than everybody else's, but mm -hmm. it's not a lemon. Like, no. Yeah. So the vagina is such a fascinating thing. I never in a million years thought I would have a job that was focused around vaginas, but here I am, vaginas every day. So yeah. let's make this shift a little bit into pregnancy and childbirth. What are your tips for pregnancy and childbirth regarding your vagina? Um, so the jury's still out on perineal stretching. I think that's kind of where we go to, um, immediately in my mind is like, should I stretch out my perineum before I deliver? I am of the camp that's like, drink a lot of water, you know, make sure you're well hydrated, make sure you're eating, um, good foods in your diet that are going to help your skin be elastic and stretchy. So you want to eat, you know, collagen back to that bone broth is like, the best. If you're not like, I don't want to drink bone broth. You can get collagen powder made from bone broth that is fantastic. But you know, make sure you've got some of these, you know, good fats in your diet. Um, you know, regularly supplementing with things like coconut oil and stuff. So do everything you can to help your skin be more elastic. That's definitely going to help retain a happy, healthy vagina. Um, take good care of your vagina afterwards. I highly recommend. Um, Earth Mama Angel Baby has a postpartum spray that I love. It's the best. Um, it's got witch hazel in it and lavender in it. And I think like a little bit of peppermint. I know helichrysum is another oil that's really great. Um, but even just if you throw some witch hazel in a spray bottle, just that alone is like the greatest feeling ever. It helps promote healing um, and can be so, so soothing on a sore vagina afterwards. So I'm also a big fan um, of, you know, ibuprofen or um, turmeric for inflammation afterwards to help keep swelling down, um, ice packs on and off to help keep swelling down. Any of that type of stuff is going to help promote healing, especially in um, the vaginal area after a delivery. So... That's awesome. I love that you mentioned water. Um, you know, you mentioned it in the the way of staying hydrated, but you can also use water during your labor to help keep things hydrated down there. Oh yeah. Like yeah. soaking in it can be amazing. So you should mm -hmm. definitely it does not take the place of drinking water, but if you're not doing an awesome job of drinking water, even if you are, but especially if you aren't, use water. Utilize it really so you can like soak your body in it. That can be Oh yeah. Super, super helpful. And listeners, we have an episode on perineum massage. It's episode number 40. So if you are looking for perineum massage specific information, check out episode number 40. So what are, um, you know, what about after the baby gets here? What are some things that you think you can do past the, the herbalism, um, I guess, after maybe that six, that six week period? What are your suggestions at that point? Kegels. Cool. <laughs> so Kegels are a great idea. Um, here's the biggest thing. If things do not feel like they have put themselves back together where they belong, if you are suffering from um, prolapse of your vagina, prolapse of your bladder, prolapse of your uterus, prolapse of any of that, go in and talk to your medical professional. 
um, or your care provider. The thing that I see a lot of is women saying, yeah, everything kind of feels funny, but I guess, I guess that's just how it is. You should be able to have intercourse after you have kids. You should be able to not, you know, not pee your pants after you have children. Like we are so caught up, I think culturally in this, like, well, yeah, you've had kids, your body's ruined now. That's just how it is. And that's not, that is not acceptable to me. That should not be acceptable to you. That's not how it's supposed to be. So go in and get help. Um, the unfortunate truth is like, if you deliver with an obstetrician here in the United States at six weeks postpartum, they typically go in and they do a vaginal exam. Um, it sucks because they don't always examine, like they usually go up and past, they check your cervix, cervix is where it's supposed to be, and they're like, okay, we're good. And none of that assesses whether or not you have a prolapse. So you need to be your own advocate at this point and say, hey, it feels like I have stuff falling out of me. It feels like I have stuff in my vaginal canal. No, things don't feel right. And you need to be the one to kind of you know, advocate and get your own care because I'm just finding more and more as I talk to women, doctors are not necessarily the ones to just make that happen unless you're kind of pushing for it. So I also recommend, um, you know, in a lot of other European countries, pelvic floor rehabilitation is just the standard of care. That's just what they do postpartum. And we don't do that unless you push for it. So if you are suffering, if you're feeling like things aren't put back together the way they're supposed to be, make sure, like I said, advocate for yourself. Go to your doctor, get a referral over to someone who does pelvic floor rehabilitation. Um, they, I also recommend you have to be really careful. Um, check yourself for diastasis recti before you start doing any sort of crunches or sit-ups or any of that type of stuff because that's only going to make the problem worse. Um, so I always recommend planks are typically pretty safe. General Kegel exercises are usually acceptable. Once again, you're going to want to check in with your care provider and, you know, make sure that that's really what you need to be doing to help rebuild. Um, but yeah, I'm a big fan of Kegels. That's amazing. So, um, what about postpartum sex? And I also have an episode on that, episode number twenty nine, for our listeners out there. But everybody has, you know, something different to say about postpartum sex, and I think that's really beneficial if you are of the mindset that the more opinions you get exposed to, the better prepared you are, you know, to make the decision that's best for you. Cause you get to like weed yeah. out different opinions and you get to like hone in on opinions that you really like, but what are your opinions and su suggestions for postpartum sex? So proceed so ever just gently and lovingly and patiently and patiently be so patient with your postpartum body and, you know, encourage your partner to be patient with your postpartum body. Um, it's such a hard thing because I'm so sympathetic to the significant others that are supporting women who have just had babies because I get that they're like, look, I just, I miss you. I miss being able to just, you know, do all the things. <laughs> so I, I, they have to be patient too. You need to be patient with yourself. And it's hard. It's a hard thing. It's something I've been through three times. My postpartum has looked completely different in terms of sex. Um, after I had my first, I felt really beat up and just really tired and really overwhelmed. I waited the full six weeks before I even like played with the idea of intercourse. Um, and even at six weeks, it was kind of like, okay, let's, ooh, 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 let's be really careful, you know, like, and it was 
it was great. Like we were able to just kind of dive into intercourse gently and we were okay. With my second, I had a fantastic and easy breezy delivery. I was having intercourse two weeks postpartum and it was no big deal. Like didn't even bother me at all. Like I had such a good delivery. With my third, I was so anemic and so exhausted and so uninterested, which is so unlike me. And so it was really hard. And I had a really weird, my skin split up past my clit. And so normally you tear down or to the side and I tore up, but I didn't tear. I just had like almost like a stretch mark happen and, uh, and it hurt. And I was like, I don't, how do you fix this? Like, how do you even, (laughs) when does this heal? And it took months for it to heal and I had to be patient and I had to leave it alone and I had to, and it was hard. It was hard on me. It was hard on my husband. Um, and same thing, just had to be very, very patient. And I also was just not mentally I was very overwhelmed. I had a very, very difficult pregnancy. And so I think it's so important that even if your body's ready for sex, if your mind isn't, it's okay to just say, look, I just can't. And we all just have to be okay. You can always do hand stuff. It doesn't have to be intercourse. You know, you can always do, there's so many things that you can do to be intimate together um, that don't necessarily have to be intercourse. I will say, I think orgasms are fantastic for healing though. It helps encourage that blood flow to that area. So there's benefits that come from doing those things, but you have to be in a headspace to do that. And if I, any, the best advice I can give everybody, just be so patient. It looks different for everybody. And each child, each postpartum is going to even look different for you. Hundred percent. I couldn't love that any more if I tried. So I am curious to know what you think about um, yoni eggs. I'm actually considering doing an entire episode on this. I don't know. What are you, what are your opinions on yoni eggs? Okay. So are you like when you said yoni eggs? Are you talking about like the devices you can put in to do Kegels with to like help build strength? Yeah, and then some of them are made of crystals, and so they apparently bring, um, like, energy, you know, healing energy, if that's something that you believe in. I mean, obviously, I think that you have to subscribe to that type of thinking, but if that is your thing, then, yeah, you have, like, so many choices. I've been looking at so many, and I want to explore it more, so I was just wondering what yours were, what your thoughts were. You know, I, I, so I've used an LV trainer. If you've ever heard of those, it's essentially, it looks, it's an egg shape. It's a super fun toy. Um, and then it has an antenna that comes out. So you put it in and you sync it up with your phone and then you play video games on your phone with your vagina. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They are, it's so much fun and it's made for, it's for pelvic floor rehabilitation. So it's called the LV trainer. So if you get a chance, check one of those out there, it's, they're awesome. Um, so I, I recommend that. I think it's a great way to rehabilitate and it's also really fun. Um, so I could see those eggs being a very similar, like you could do, I'm sure there's all different types of exercises you could do with them. And then, yes, like you said, if you subscribe to that type of healing, why not? That is so cool. So a friend of ours just got the WeVibe um, sex toy. So I'm wondering what your favorite sex toy is, whether you've used it and it's something that you use in your life or something you just know about and you love to recommend to people. Um, or maybe you could give us both if you're feeling really into it. 
So, um, my personal favorite, oh, it's so hard. The thing I always say is I've never met a vibrator I didn't like. So I think there's some, some truth to that. Um, currently we've been, we've been playing with all sorts of other fun stuff. It's funny. Like this is about the only time I blush <laughs> is when I start talking about my personal sex toys that I like, <laughs> you know, cause it's hard. It's like being like, well, what's your favorite position? And then how do you like it there? And do you want, you like having your hair pulled? Cool. <laughs> you know, um, but we've been playing more with, um, like vibrating butt plugs and stuff lately, which has actually been kind of a fun exploration, I guess. Um, if you haven't gone down that road, it's definitely kind of a, a fun road to go down. <laughs> So, and it's been fun for both me and my husband. So we toyed, we toyed with some of that. I like them too because they promote intercourse. You know, I tend to like toys that we can both play with together. Um, and I also, I love intercourse. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm lucky that way. Like I thoroughly enjoy just having intercourse with my husband. Um, and so I like to play with toys, I guess, that promote that. Um, I know Lilo has, and I've been wanting to get my hands on it. They have a really great, it's like a paddle almost it looks like, and it's for clitoral stimulation. Um, it's same thing that's you're supposed to use during intercourse, which I think would be really fun to play with. So if I was going to recommend getting your hands on any, I love it, pretty much anything that they've come out with has been so sleek. All their stuff's waterproof and they've got some really great ones that are really geared towards female pleasure and also intercourse play, which is, you know, what I love. So. Awesome. Those are all cool. So you have a book club. Tell us about that. So one of the reasons I started the vagina blog and, you know, continuing it is that I want, I'm here to educate. I want to educate, but I don't know everything. And, and I, I want to kind of take people on the same journey that I've been in my education of like, Hey, these are the books that I'm reading. This is what I learned from those books. This is why I love them. This is why this book belongs on your shelf. You know, this month we've been talking about the guide to getting it on. I found that book, you know, maybe a year into my marriage and I was like, I can't even believe this existed and I didn't even know. There's so much information. And it, I mean, so many colleges use that book as a textbook in their human sexuality courses because it goes so in depth. I mean, the version that I have goes into like sex in the 1800s. What did 1800s birth control look like? What did, you know, just things that you're like, I mean, this may not pertain to my personal sex life today, but this is so interesting. You know, it has a whole chapter about Barbie and her impact on sexuality and human sexuality in the United States in the 1950s. Like it, is so great, but it also answers a lot of questions like how to give a good head or, you know, questions that maybe the average person doesn't know. And it, the beginning chapters are, this is what female anatomy looks like. This is the clitoris. This is the vagina. This is the vulva. This is what you should do with all those things to make them happy, you know? And so I love that. I think from an educational standpoint, it covers so much. Um, and then it's also just a really entertaining read. It's so good. And that's what I've you know, all the books I've recommended throughout this year with the book club, I've really tried to focus on education, but also stuff that's not, isn't a textbook necessarily. Like I love, um, taking charge of your fertility as another book that was one of the first ones that I read. And same thing, it reads like your best friend's blog, 
but it is so jam-packed with important information about the female body and how to best take care of it. I just, I love it. It's such a good book. I feel like that's got to be one that we just read every year. Like, I just think, you know, that's going to be part of the book club every year. An annual read. I love it so much. I also love that you bring up human sexuality in college. That was one of my favorite courses, you know, and even, I guess even back then I was fascinated with the vagina, but even still, I never in a million years thought that my world would like revolve around it. So let's talk a little bit about the differences in our bodies for a second. I saw on your Instagram a post that said, good for her, but not for me. And Mm -hmm. this was a gentle reminder that we are all so, so, so different. So trying things, different things, is really the only way to find out what's best for you. What do you say to women out there who are trying to find the right fit, but they might be being held back. You know, they might be having different feelings or embarrassed or ashamed um, because there is this, there is this space in society where there is a shame around, you know, your period and your menstruation. You secretly carry your tampons to the bathroom or you carry, you know, your tampons in this cute little bag so nobody sees them, things like that supposed to be really hush it's hard because I think we just need to normalize stuff and for me I've looked at it and gone okay so what what does that look like because while I you know I think it's so important to normalize menstruation and talk openly about menstruation I also don't want to be obnoxious and in your face about it too much Um, it's a hard line that I've tried to walk, um, where I am open about everything and talk about everything, but at the same time, not so in your face that it turns people off because I do feel like culturally this has been so private up until recently. And so I'm just looking at it, you know, with a lot of the stuff that I'm doing and even, you know, like we've been designing a new line of t-shirts, um, to go on the vagina blog. We have a couple on there now. We have a couple more coming out. And even as they've been doing that, it's like, I mean, I'm all about, all about the menstruating, but how in your face do I need to be about it? You know? So, um, like I love the shirts that say menstruating human. Like I, you know, there's another brand that's come out with those and I, think that's awesome. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know if I need to announce to everyone that I'm having my period when I'm on it. So it's, it's a hard thing. Cause I'm like, like I said, don't want to be obnoxious. Definitely want to bring normalcy to it. It's the same with breastfeeding. I love the Instagram is allowing the nipple with breastfeeding images and allowing breastfeeding and birth images. I think it's so important to show all that to help normalize it. But at the same time, I never want to be shoving it in people's faces where they're like not quite ready for it or don't want it. Like when I breastfed in public, I always tried to be very polite about it. But at the same time, and it's funny, I almost wished that someone over the my years of breastfeeding would have approached me because I would have eaten them alive, but they never did. And so I, you know, I got really lucky in that way. But at the same time, I was like, oh man, I just need someone to say something to me so I can yell at them right now. <laughs> but I, I always tried to be modest about it, but I also didn't make a huge effort to be like overly covered either. Cause it was like, look, I have a right to be here. My baby has a right to be here. He has a right to eat here. And that's what we're going to do. But I also don't necessarily need to get both my boobs out at Chick-fil-A just because I'm making a statement that I'm breastfeeding. So like I said, I've tried to always walk that line. 
I love it. So, oh, I lost my thought. Hang on. Well, I was going to say too, when it comes to good for her, not for me, um, that spoke to me. And especially in terms of like motherhood, I think so many times the decisions that we make for our children and for how we raise them, whether or not we breastfed or breastfeed or bottle feed or, you know, have whatever kind of birth or all this type of stuff. We go into things, hopefully so educated. Like I work so hard to make sure I'm making the best decisions for my children and for myself and for how I do things. And so as soon as someone does something different from me, I think when I was a younger mother, it was like, Oh, you're wrong. And that's not, that's not necessarily true. Just because I've done my research and decided to do things one way does not in any way mean that the way that the other woman or my friend or anybody else is doing it is wrong necessarily, you know, unless of course it's blatantly wrong. But so I, I think I always try to keep that in mind when I'm, you know, when people do things differently than the way I do. And it was the same, like as a doula, a lot of people are like, oh, well, I really want an epidural. So I don't, you know, I don't know if I need a doula. And it's like, oh no, you still need someone there to advocate for you. I don't care if you're getting an epidural. I care about you. I care about you feeling like you are having the birth that you want to have. And if that includes an epidural, I'm here to support you and make sure that you have all the love and, and help that you need, even as you're getting your epidural, because that it's not my birth, it's her birth, you know? And it's the same for a lot of these things. People make, like, I love tampons. I don't want to give them up. Okay. Well, have you considered doing organic ones? Those are better for your vagina. No, I don't want to. I love Tampax cool. You know what I mean? Like I'm not here to, to get up in everybody's faces and be like, you've got to quit tampons. It's more like, Hey, if I can help you find a better tampon or try something you've never tried before that you may end up liking better. Great. But if ultimately you come to me and say, look, I just really like my tampons. Good for her. Not for me. You know? hundred percent. I love to say, you know, I don't really care what you choose. I just care that you know all of the options that you have to choose from. So where can people find you, April? If they wanted to connect with you, where, where could they do this? Um, so I'm on Instagram at the vagina blog. I'm on YouTube at the vagina blog. Um, obviously I have the vagina blog.com that you can check out online. That's my website with, you know, all this information. Um, and yeah, that's Instagram's kind of my home space. That's where I live. And then the blog is where I'm able to do long form posts with more information about stuff. So amazing amazing so much and all of the links for our listeners as always you guys it will be in the show notes for you to get directly um directly from the podcast right now so wow this episode has been mind-blowing from vulvas and vaginas to butt plugs and perineum massage and oh my goodness your period human sexuality, all of the things. We have covered it all. Thank you so, so, so much, April, for being here. As of course. Always, Thank you. As always, villagers, find your tribe and love them hard. Did you know that you can join our online tribes? Our private Facebook group can be found by searching the Tranquility Tribe podcast on Facebook. And our Instagram tribe is Tranquility by Hehe. If you have a story you want to share with us, please reach out to us at tranquillitybyhehe at gmail.com. 
Until next time, villagers. <laughs>